Georgia Dow is a therapist, but she's not your therapist. This show should not substitute a personal consultation with a professional. week hearing about people's very intense personal problems that they're paying for professional help with. Have you had a peaceful week doing that this week? Has it been good? <laughs> well, Has I'm actually off right now. You're so off? Yes, it's, it's been very peaceful. Do you ever have a day where you just like kick back in a chair and you're like, oh, I feel like I worry about my problems this week. This is there, great. There, it was funny because when I, yeah? when I, when I was going through the really rough period with my father, um, I did think, God, I'm go. I I like. I think we need to switch places. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. I think I think I need to be the one in the chair right now. I'm not saying your job promotion is not a big deal, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm going through a rough period myself. I'm trying to imagine what Georgia Dow relaxing would look like. I, I'm imagining like a big plaid easy chair with like a smoking jacket and a pipe, kind of like yeah. like Cookie Monster at uh, Monster Piece Theater, just with Georgia. Ooh. That's Ooh, that's what like I'm this. I'm in my that's what I'm imagining is Georgia Dow re- relaxation time. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, Georgia, I'm just gonna put this offer out there. If you ever need to go to the best of the best <laughs> to talk about your problems, I will make an hour for you, and <laughs> I'll only you. charge you four hundred dollars an hour. <laughs> I will oh, I will do that for you, and then you. right, you don't need all these people with degrees and. <laughs> experience like you've got Brianna Wu on speed dial experience like, is really overrated yeah that's true yeah. that's true yeah, yeah. that is so true. speaking of the best welcome to disruption <laughs> I am head of development Brianna Wu I am joined this week by Georgia I'm giving you a new title you are overlord of Imore uh Georgia Dow uh, how how are you doing uh your highness <laughs> Is that the title for, That's for your, Overlord? Your title, Overlord. It's highness? Well, is it? Would it would it be your highness? Would it be um, master? Would it be? I, I like uh, my liege yes. is pretty good. That's a, that's a good yeah. one. Ooh, yeah. I like yeah. that. It sounds yeah. like yeah. you know. It's very yeah. formal. How People, are things going, my liege? My liege. I like that one. Is it liege or liege? Liege. L i e g e. Liege. It looks like I I would have to walk and like drag my leg behind and walk very creepily. Yeah. Yeah. Which yeah, yeah that'd be hard. Be really hard well. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean you already have like six of those. So I mean I'm not really worried about the wardrobe aspect of it. That's I do. I actually I have a cape coat. <laughs> of course you do. That's Why good. wouldn't you? I do. That's good. That's good. <laughs> We're also joined this week by big shoe lackey Steve Lubitz. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh you know, just kicking around, you know, as You're you do. Just kicking around? Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. So are you, are you yeah. good at this? Like, are you good with shoes? Like, I, do you know? I, I, are are you asking me if I'm good at kicking ass, Georgia? Because you know I am. So, <laughs> well, I can chew bubble gum. So then we're yeah. a good team. <laughs> 
but Steve, you don't make shoes. Like you work with like the you're a data scientist. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's, let's not glorify yeah. what I'm doing. I, I don't have right, the, right. I don't have the training to be a data scientist. But yeah, I'm working with. I don't. I don't actually. All I, right, we'll go with Big Shoe Lackey. Yeah, We're Big Shoe here Lackey. This week with uh, Big Shoe Lackey, Steve Lubitz. So let's get straight into it. So we're going to go old school a little bit. We're going to go back to isometric a little bit. And we are actually going to talk about a video game this week. Bandas that, Reunite! That's right. And two out of the three of us on this show have played it. Oh, I forgot to mention, Micah got some call or something. We don't know if he's the new Robin to Batman. Uh, we just don't know. So we'll find out what happened to Micah next week. Index. That's the first yeah. question. He come on, if you met Mike in real life, like that's a that's a handsome dude. Like, <laughs> like you know, right? Like he'd be okay. I uh please don't sue me, Micah. We're cool. Yeah. Married woman. Um yes, yeah, so anyway, this week uh we we're gonna talk about a video game. We were wait, gonna wait, talk about Wait, wait, can I ask yes. the question? What would he sue you for? Libel? Like it wasn't true that he was a handsome dude? <laughs> I don't know. It's like uh, okay. I don't want to create I, I think trademark a- infringement. Yeah, I don't want to create an uncomfortable workplace for Micah, right? Fair. Like, you Fair. know, because yeah. he's, he's, he's really sexy, right? <laughs> so you just, you want to keep it professional, right? We're, so we're always. Yeah. Here? Yeah. Please. Yes. Do, yes. do you have, like, those laws in Canada? Or is it just free for all? <laughs> we're just so polite. Really. So polite, yeah. We're just so polite. We would, yeah. We're just so thoughtful even when we, we were... Yeah. Is it, it's polite. Yeah. It's they, polite. they don't, they don't need laws them. when they send everybody to college for free. They just learn about what they're supposed to do and not to do. <laughs> That's their first course. Mm, yeah, yeah. So we're going to talk about No Man's Sky. Um, so I'm on record of being very, very disappointed with this game. Um, I realize there are a lot of opinions across the board, but you know, just to back up a little bit, this is a game that came out. It's uh, by Hello Games. It's only got a four-person team. Um, it's a game that relies a lot on what we call PCG in my industry, uh, procedurally generated content. So whereas with a lot of um, games like Far Cry... Can you explain use- what that means, Bree? Sure. It's uh so let's say if you see trees in Far Cry and you're running around, uh, you know, an artist doesn't sit down and design every single one of those trees. An algorithm goes through and creates all the branches and stuff, um, you know, and, and assigns the textures to it. So PCG is a content for uh basically having an algorithm designs levels for you. So uh you know, with something like Temple Run, uh the levels that you run through are procedurally generated. Steve, I hear you played Diablo once yeah. or twice. Once or twice, uh, yeah. Yeah, those levels are procedurally yeah. generated. And um, you know, here they basically created an entire world where uh, it's procedurally generated. And their big selling point is you can go on for basically forever. So um, yeah, before I get into my extremely <laughs> negative uh, opinions oh. about the game, <laughs> wow. um, Steve, I want to stop, start over by you. Like, you've played a lot. What, what are your impressions so far with so, it? So I was really, really down on this game. Uh, before it was announced, because I mean, I remember watching the trailer when it was announced at E3. That was like one of our first episodes of Isometric when we were when we were talking about that and and seeing you know this guy landing on this purple planet and seeing dinosaurs running by and it sounded awesome. And then the, the more they talked about it, like the more skeptical I got about it because they started making some really wild promises and it and it felt like there was no either this game was never going to ship. Or there was no way this game was going to live up to what they were doing. So I basically stopped paying attention to it because I just didn't want to hear anything else that they were saying because I felt like it was just going to like there was no way if I kept letting my expectations get out of check, there was no way I was going to enjoy the game. And I I hesitated before I even bought it because I wasn't sure if it was the kind of game I wanted to play. 
Um, what I've played of it so far, like we've talked before about games that you play to kind of get into a Zen state, mm-hmm. you know, like where you're not really necessarily paying attention to what you're doing, but you're just kind of going through the motions and it's, it's kind of calming for you. And that that's what I've been feeling about it. Like I'm, you know, the big open world games generally stress me out because I just go overwhelmed and I feel like I'm going to do the wrong thing and end up stuck and never be able to get where I need to go. And this kind of there's so much to do that there's no way to do it all. And it kind of takes that pressure off where if I just if I just want to like wander around and collect minerals for a while, like that's fine. Like either I'm going to get to the end or I'm not. And it doesn't really Hmm. matter. So it's just I'm just kind of like enjoying just kind of wandering around and seeing what I see. And the girls like the aliens that I've run into, they think that they're adorable which I mean that which I think I, they're very repetitive. That's yeah, just me. They are, they but, are yeah. repetitive. And this is, you know, the one who's most into it is also the one who wants to be Kylo Ren when she grows up. So take that as you will. But <laughs> I like, I like her. I want I want to hang out with her more. Georgia, I want to like pass this yeah. over to you. Like you, you talk a lot um, about when, especially with like super Nintendo games, like you are always looking for a relaxing experience. And I think, whereas, um, you know, I think I played a kind of um, min max a stat, I think you're fundamentally driven by something different psychologically. Like you're looking for a relaxing experience. So I know you haven't played it, but like, what are your thoughts on this kind of Zen like, um, you know, atmosphere to the game that a lot of people are talking about? I, I, well, I, and I don't know if I usually like games that are Zen like experience. I enjoy having games that are Zen like experiences, but I also like the games that I play mostly are shooters. Like, I like playing. <laughs> but that's games relaxing where I get to, to somebody like you. And then I like yeah. playing Zen relaxing games. So I'm like, I yeah. kind of like teeter in between. Like, I like playing against other real people and get to shoot them uh, because it's a little bit more challenging. So I play like Rec Rooms Paintball and like, you know, Battle Dome and like stuff like that. So games that were, were able to fight. Um, but I also liked games like Journey. I found that that was a really great game. And I love the feeling of searching and finding things and exploring it. I like the feeling of being an explorer and having to find something new and that it's not going to be easy. I think that a lot of games that have that, like you, there's no guarantee of what you're going to find and it's all exploratory, has a great sense of, it has an increased sense of dopamine when you play it because you get a nice feeling when you get there if it's not so long that you have to wait in between those moments. Right, yeah. right. So, I mean, is this a game? You have a PS4, don't you, or do you not? I don't have a PS4. Oh, okay. Well, that's not reasonable to expect you to have yeah. played it. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the PC game doesn't yeah. come out until tomorrow as we're recording, so there's no way for you to oh, play it Oh, is there going to be a PC version? I thought it was a Sony exclusive. Yeah, it was. no, it was supposed to come out the same day as the PlayStation 4 version, and then apparently it got delayed several days on the PC to accommodate a global launch, which, of course, the uh, all of the wonderful calm and reasonable people of the internet took that extremely well you know having that yeah. three-day delay um, of course they did. you can imagine yeah. how well how well very, they took that very very mature yeah. so i guess i would say my feelings with it is um you know i plugged it in and you know i kind of had a good idea of what to I was going to get with this game, uh, you know, picking it up. And like you, Steve, I kind of tuned out all of the the lead up to it. I'm just not that interested in it. Yeah. So I started playing it and I 
really, really disliked this game from the word go. I thought the the controls were very sluggish. It seems to me that if you're going to have a game that's all about exploring infinite space, you might want to make the movement a little bit spiffy. I don't know. Maybe that's dumb. Because you're Um, you're lumbering along, like you're traveling at a very slow speed while you're on a planet. Yeah, you're moving pretty much, pretty close to real time a lot of the time. So it it takes you a while to get wherever you're going to go. So a lot of the game is spent walking? Basically, yeah. yeah. You can okay. jump pack up a little bit, yeah. but it, it it's it's not good. So, you know, just getting off that first planet in the tutorial, it just took me forever. Yeah. And, um, you know, it doesn't have a good radar to show you what's above ground and what's in caves down below. So um, my first experience with it was just beyond negative. And then I got out into space, and then I got into that first loop of the game, right, where you start finding a planet, and then you go down there, and you start, like, discovering all these different animals and you know you're mining different resources to make stuff and then you go to a space station and i'm like and about four hours into that it felt really really magical and i'm like i think i love this game and then i kept playing it for another five hours and i'm like there's nothing in this game beyond that um you know they shift the hues a little bit um, and the, the, the monsters on the planet like permutate a little bit, but it's all basically the same idea. And it just doesn't really get past this uh, really core loop of um, you just going to a planet, getting a few resources, um, and leaving. So, I mean, is that your experience too, Steve? Um, yeah, but I think that kind of hits a different part of my brain than yours does. Because I, I – cause- and I'm thinking about this because a couple days before I got the game, I picked up Diablo 3 again because they do like a seasonal thing on the PC and the Mac uh, where you can start up another character and they increase the rate that you gain experience and you can get some loot if you do certain certain achievements and stuff like that. And I started playing it and I I felt very similar to uh, about No Man's Sky as I felt about Diablo, where in Diablo, I get into, I treat that as a, that's like a Zen game for me, too. Which maybe sure. says something about my temperament. <laughs> but slaying, right. slaying demons gets me into a Zen state. Um, but you know, it's like I don't even really pay attention to what I'm doing. It's just kind of I'm doing the same repetitive thing over and over again, and it's just kind of calming to be doing that. And it's got just enough differentiation to keep me engaged, but at the same time, it's kind of comforting to be doing the same thing over and over again. So mm-hmm. yeah. I I deliberately just kind of spent a lot of time wandering around and and exploring each planet and just kind of going back to different places and going through that loop. And it, it didn't – maybe because I didn't – I never really played it for that long at a stretch. Maybe mm-hmm. it never really hit me about how monotonous it was because I can't play it for more than like an hour at a time really. And I tr- Oh, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> I mean for me, I was sick that day and I just spent all day on the couch playing it. So, yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. I don't know. For me, I think it's one of these things where if you work in games, it kind of destroys your ability to enjoy a game yeah, like this. Because to me, it's not magical wandering around. Like I look at a rock and I go, wow, they're recycling the same texture there. Uh, look <laughs> at that spec map. That's not well done. And I, I see all the seems underneath the permutation like i look at a creature and i don't see the magicalness of it i'm like imagining the algorithm of my mind of how they interpolated between a tortoise shell and a a dinosaur spike right so it just it doesn't really lose that magic it doesn't have that magic for me i just see the limitations of the technology underneath it and i have to say like my reasoning for playing games is 
you know, it's it's all about the art, right? Yeah. Like I live for games where an artist sat down and spent a lot of time creating something and really cared about it. And there was effort that went into every part of it. When I see something like Skyrim or No Man's Sky, I just, I think about the conversations with engineers in our field I've had where they refer to it as, oh, it's the art trap. You're going to waste so many of your resources Mm. on art. And it's like, well, that's kind of the darn point, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just there's very little magic in it for me. And there there doesn't seem to be a high-end game. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess it kind of also works for me a little bit differently that I get to see the girls watching it and seeing them blown away kind of recreates oh. a little bit of that magic for me. Like, even when I'm... Even I'm kind of seeing some of the seems like when something is like the draw distance is too short and all of a sudden something like materializes in like this, this uh, like pixelated all of a sudden it kind of materializes in from midair. I I can see that, but I see them getting like seeing an animal running around and just being like amazed. Right. And that that kind of brings a little bit of the magic back for me when I start seeing the seams of it behind the scenes. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the kind of thing that I don't know how long I'm going to end up playing it, but I do kind of enjoy the different pace of it more so than I thought I was going to. But yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess, Georgia, this is something that, you know, as far as like the hype around this game, though, like it's huge. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's like, how do you like I noticed myself like before this game came out, like actively like my salt. I took out all the salt out of the salt shaker towards this game when I started seeing more stuff being announced about it because and I realized after the fact that it was kind of like a defense mechanism for me not getting my expectations up too high. Like there's no way that this thing is going to live up to expectations. So I'm just going to like, you know, I'm going to crap on it in my head until to, to kind of tamp that down. But like what happens to us when something gets like this blown out of proportion and then you finally get your hands on it? Like, like how do our, how do our brains like react to something like that? And how can you, how can you protect yourself from like getting, getting sucked up into the hype of something like this that, is never going to to live up to expectations. Well, that's the problem with a lot of companies when they release something and they talk about it, they want to create hype. And so they want it to, people to, to speak about it. But then we end up with that, you know, trap of expectational debt. If we, we expect something and then things don't live up to that, then we are going to be disappointed, even if what we are expecting is way more than what we should have expected in the first place. We believe it. We believe it, and then we we say, okay, well, I'm expecting 90% joy rating from this game, and I only got 80. All we think about is I got minus 10. If I expect zero and then I get a 70, that's just plus 70 to our brain. And so a game that may not be as good but you didn't expect anything from, you could actually enjoy more than a game that you expected so much from, and then you end up disappointed with it. And so I think that there's a lot of backlash to games that are so hyped up because people are there's there's nothing that will really be able to get our imaginations and it's the same reason why books that are turned into movies rarely live up to that because everyone has designed that perfect book in our heads and now we're going to have to transition that to someone else's idea to that and then budgeting and studios and cutscenes, and now let's fit it into two hours. And the same thing for a video game. People say, this is what it's going to be like, this is what it's going to feel like, and then you play it, and now all you're saying is, well, this is not exactly what I had hoped for. And so two ways is, one, not to, to listen to the hype that you have there, 
and three, you know, know that rarely will something live up to what you expect it to be with. And when it does, that's amazing. When something actually lives up to the hype of which it was uh, sought after for, it's magical. But rarely is that the case with almost anything. I think that's well said. Awesome. So, uh, you know, that is really awesome. No Man's Sky is magical. But something that is even more magical is Squarespace. And I'm going to tell you all about it. But before we do that, I want to tell you, I have to live up to Micah's ad reads this week, which is very hard. So obviously I can't do that alone. I'm one person. So Frank is going to sing the Star Wars theme in the background as I'm doing this. So this episode of Disruption is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today with squarespace.com. Enter offer code DISRUPTION on checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. 10% Steve Lubitz. Think of what you could buy with that 10%. That's a lot of percents. It's a lot of percent. So listen, Squarespace has super easy to use tools, templates. It helps you capture every single detail of what drives you. Because if it's worth the effort, it's worth sharing with the world. That's what you always say in therapy, isn't it, Georgia? That's Is that it. your motto? That's it. Those Is are it? Is direct it? Okay. Quote. Good. So Squarespace, Squarespace, not Squarespace, puts all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points. Do you want to feel pain like you're being hit by a rebel blaster? No, no you don't. So Squarespace just gets rid of every bit of that. They won't make you worry about hosting, scaling, or any of the stuff you need to like worry about if you're trying to do this yourself, which you don't want to do. So anyway, Steve, when you design your website cataloging all of the jokes that I've told about you over the course of this show, who are you going to get to host does it? Square, it does be... Squarespace have, give me enough storage to be able to hold all that content? I am almost sure that they are, <laughs> but not in the legal sense. So, Georgia Dow, when you create your site with all the animated GIFs of all the ridiculous things you've done due to this podcast, like breaking your elbow on camera, where are you going to host that? What's the good site to do that? Well, of course, I'm going to go to Squarespace. Of course you because are. Because all and of you're... the other stuff of, of like negative press of me is also on Squarespace. Right, so I just have to recalibrate the balance. And so you've got it all together, the good press and the embarrassing press and right. the, the terrible press. That's right. So, And when you humiliate Georgia down the line by cataloging all of her bad uh, choices, it's only going to cost you $8 a month. So start your trial, no credit cards required, and start building your website today by going to squarespace.com. And when, not if, but when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure that you use that offer code disruption. You've got to enter that in to show your love for our show. And for, for, for Steve, you've got to show your love for Steve Lubitz by entering in that code disruption. Get 10% off your first purchase and to show that you also love Relay. So we thank Squarespace for their support of this show. Um, all right, cool. So let's talk about something else uh, this week. Now, this is this is a topic. Now, we're, Georgia, you're, you're still white, right? 
I'm still part of White, <laughs> white, right? Last I checked. Okay, good, good. So we're three white people. So I don't know how much, uh, like, you know, we're able to really speak authoritatively to this. But uh, Snapchat came out with a story this week about um, basically they brought a new filter to their their service. Oh. And it's called Yellow Face. What? Yeah, Frank, it's called Yellow Face. Wait, so what? Yeah, it's called no! Yellow Face. No! Yes. No! 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 <laughs> All right. No! Okay. Thank you, Frank. So <laughs> we're here with our senior uh, Asian affairs correspondent, Frank Wu. So, Frank, this is a new Snapchat filter. Okay, it's, let me see it. Is Frank seeing oh, this for the first time right like, now, yeah, live on the show? Yeah, he's looking. Oh right my god! Right. Okay, like that. Here you go. Yeah. Wait, so it makes your wait, face all squinty what? like this. What? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah, I do, I don't know if I have that much to say about it, but like I mean, Steve Jordan, what what were your thoughts on this? Like, it, it clearly looks to me like um, you know the consequence of an. Uh, an engineering team that must not have a lot of Asian people on it. Yeah. I, I just, I don't understand how something like this like gets approved. Like, well, George is the Snapchat expert now after, after sending yeah, us that picture on Twitter. For, right. Right. But, uh, but I mean, it's, I just don't understand how you look at something like this and you, and it has to get approved by a whole bunch of people in order to go into production. I would imagine. And, you know, to push something new out to the app. And I just don't understand how like, one person isn't going to look at that and just say, "Hey, guys, maybe, maybe not. Maybe let's right. not. Let's not do this." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Georgia, you use Snapchat, don't you? I, I mean, well, I don't actually use it. I use the filters, but I use it only for the filters. Right. Um, I mean, what does it? It does like a, a Gaussian blur on your face, and then adds these, yeah. you know, really stereotypical, um, you know, pointy eyes on top of you, and it's just. It's it's really really horrific. Like even the shade of yellow they picked is offensive. Like it's it's as bad as it could possibly be. And and the name, like yeah. already, even the right. name is offensive. Like they didn't they didn't get far into not offending people yeah. with this filter. No, it, it's just one of these things that, like, and we talk about diversity and why it's so important to have, you know a di- diverse team so that people can look at things from a different angle and say, Hey, this may not be that cool. You yeah. think yeah. it's funny. Other people may be offended. You know, yeah. you think this is cool and this is hurtful. And I think that without that diversity, I don't think that they did it on purpose to be racist or harmful or cruel. And that's even worse yeah. because that means this is your lack of diversity and like, fully at the forefront of this is the things that can happen. Right, right. I mean, you know, it's a, a consequence of the engineering culture of, you know, the, the tech industry. So I'm not going to tell you what part of my field this was in, but uh, I was talking before the show to a friend of mine, and she happens to have kids, and she was trying to get a job. And you know, their team expected her to work extremely, extremely long hours past the point of being able to pick up her kids from school. And, you know, they were... You know, they were also kind of unwilling to accommodate any of that. And yet, you know, this is a that's the kind of culture that gets built up when there aren't 
different people included in it from the very beginning. Yes. So, you know, just the fact that you could, like, this is why I can't figure out is how you can have the name yellow face yeah. and there's no light bulb that goes off in someone's head and they go, Hey guys, like maybe this is close to blackface. I don't know. Like you would yeah. think that that would like happen at some point. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just, I think it's the kind of thing where some people think that it's just, just because you're, you're clearly, you know, it's a joke or whatever that it's okay. And I mean, like, I, I've told the story about how Maureen and I met. It was on. I was running the the humor magazine at my college when when we met, and I, I you have no idea how many arguments I had to have with people because they thought that being a humor magazine just like gave you free reign to do whatever you want, and I had to keep mm-hmm. killing things that they would try to put through that I won't even repeat on the show. Like, because, like, guys, it's not just because we're a humor magazine doesn't mean we can just say anything and, oh, haha, it's a joke and we'll get away with it. And it it turned out after after both of us had graduated, there was they went a, a step too far and uh, and and they put something on the back cover that ended up getting the entire staff in a lot of trouble for putting a really racist joke on the back of the on the back of the magazine. So but mm-hmm. it's it's very easy for people who aren't affected by this, I think, to think that just because they're doing it in a joke and they don't they don't mean anything by it. First of all, that they that means that they don't really mean anything by it because it's probably exposing something about themselves. But it's also that, you know, that just gives them free reign to do it. And I could see like. Like, uh, you know, a non-diverse culture just kind of saying, oh, yeah, that's funny. Let's put that in without without thinking about it. And then it just gets in without an adult in the room being, you know, being able to put a stop to it. Yeah, I think that's well said. What what does uh, Frank feel? Well, you know, I was talking to him about this and um, I wish I was still in the room. He could tell you himself, but I could tell you, like, he's very sensitive about this. Like, right. uh, do you know a lot of Chinese girls, like, have uh, you know, surgery on their epicantal folds? Because, yeah. you know, everything about society, like, tells you that, like, wide eyes are supposed to be um, and, more beautiful. And often right? those that don't, there's a, um, a sticker, like a tape yeah. that you put on and then you stick so that you won't have the fold onto your eyes. That's and it's exceptionally common, especially ab- upon um, Asian women that do modeling because, yeah. you know, they're they're asked and pressured in order to do this. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, you know, I, I, I would say this because I don't want to speak for Frank, but I can say even as a, a white person that, you know, like I was willing to marry someone that's Chinese. <laughs> like, I think it's pretty clear I'm cool with that. <laughs> but there was a lot of um, just lived experience I was missing before we got married. I didn't mm-hmm. understand the degree to which, you know, Asian men are desexualized while Asian women are hypersexualized. So, um, I don't know. I think, uh, I think we did to do a hell of a lot better. So, yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. That's a good place to leave it. So, Micah, Micah's going to teleport in today and tell us all about an awesome product that I am entirely unqualified to tell you about. <laughs> so, Micah, oh my God, he's just appeared and wow. This episode of Disruption is brought to you by a new sponsor for us, Mac. Weldon. So Mac Weldon makes the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you're ever going to wear. 
Honestly, Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. So Mack Weldon actually sent me some of the the uh, product to try out, which was super cool. And uh, I, I tried out some of their socks and I tried out some of their underwear. And look, something to know about me is that I am kind of a sock fiend. At last count, I know I had at least more than 100 pairs of socks because, like I said, I'm a sock fiend. So I like to get a bunch of different patterns and uh, different sizes and lengths and things like that. But I think that makes me a pro. I don't know exactly what's required to be a sock pro, but I'm pretty sure that having more than 100 pairs of socks is is cutting it pretty close. So Something to to know about socks is like, how can you tell that they're good quality? Well, one of the things is that the part that goes on your leg, if they're longer socks, is that it's long as opposed to kind of uh, halfway up your calf. And the reason why is because the the shorter they are, the more likely they are for that thing to slide back down your your leg. Well, Mack Weldon socks are incredibly long, incredibly stretchy. So they go all the way up to your knee almost, which I found really awesome and refreshing, particularly for someone who's pretty doggone tall. Uh, so I just pulled them on up and they stay where they are. And the other thing you can tell is when you take them off, off, do they flop down or do they stay where they are? Well, Mack Weldon socks stay where they are. And that's because the base of the sock is like triple coverage. So the the padding underneath your foot, the part that kind of, you know, soaks up the 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 moisture, we'll go with that word, is super, super thick. And so you walk around and it's like walking on a cloud. What I'm trying to get across is that these socks are incredibly premium. Uh, but we, we got to talk about the, the shopping process because this was super cool. So I go online, right? And I'm, you know, looking around. I'm like, what in the world am I going to get here? Because they have so many cool things. Like I said, the socks and the underwear. And so as you go and you, you know, you kind of choose what you want because they have all the different categories, the price starts to go down. So the more you buy, the less expensive it is for you to buy those things, which is a pretty smart little uh, tool there. And I was going along and like, ooh, I, I like this. I like this. I like this. Ooh, the price is going down this much. Ooh, I like this. Ooh. And I'm just buying and buying and buying, which might end up being what you do because it's so easy and simple. So look, these are not only just comfortable and good quality. I, I, I got to talk about the underwear too. So strap in because here we go. Um, the underwear has this really super cool meshy area. So, you know, it gets hot. It's it's humid. It's summer here in the U.S. Sorry, Australia, uh, where it's winter. But it, it gets pretty warm and the mesh keeps things nice and breathable and swishy. Uh, and the rest of it is super soft. And I find myself like... I have a lot of different underwear as well, not just socks, and I find myself kind of giving side-eye to all the other underwear and socks, and i just like, where's my Mack Weldon? So I absolutely love this, this product. I think it's fantastic. I think it's better than anything I've ever worn before, for sure. 
and certainly something that you should totally check out. And if you're into science and 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 stuff like that, then you should check out their silver underwear and shirts. And this is this is re- the real deal. Like it is woven with silver so that it's naturally antimicrobial. So you're going to get less of the worries about smell or or you know moisture buildup and all that kind of stuff because this is some pretty cool science stuff that keeps things from I'm getting uh, gross, I guess is, is the best way to put it. So if you decide you don't like what they've got, it's so awesome because not only do you get to keep the first pair that you have, and obviously don't want it back, but they're going to give you a refund, no questions asked, and so you just keep those and you can stick them in your, your sock drawer and forget about them if you decide you don't like them. Now, listeners of this show can get 20% off at MacWeldon.com with the code DISRUPTION. I'm sure you could probably guess that the code was DISRUPTION. And so, again, remember, as you're adding stuff to your cart, the price is falling and falling and falling because the more you get, the more the price goes down. And then you go on the in there and you're about to check out and you're like, ooh, this is already really inexpensive. I'm so excited. And then suddenly you get another 20% off with the code DISRUPTION. So you should definitely go check this site out. Again, our friends at Mac Weldon, thank you so much, and I love the socks and underwear. Thank you for your support of our show, of me, and all of Relay FM. The oh, and Micah just disappeared. <laughs> he just teleported out of the, the conversation. He is actually like amazing. a Harry Potter character in real life. He just disapparated. That was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's why teleporters are dangerous. That's yeah. true. Don't don't. Bones would Steve. never go onto a teleporter. He did not like his atoms being scattered across the universe. That's true. I mean, would you Bones. really like? I I don't know. I, who's got to be the first one to test something like that? You know what I mean? Like I that's. Don't <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I sure. Just fly. step in this thing. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Do you know where? Uh, do you know where Bones went to college? Uh, no. no. My college, University of Mississippi Medical School. Really? So oh. that's true. It's there absolutely factual. So. Smart cookie. He's got he's got the the country smarts, I guess, which leads you out of t- teleporters. I guess. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, something we're gonna try to do on the show more. Um, and this is I want to get serious for the audience here. Um, you know, when we stopped doing isometric, it, it wasn't because we we loved uh, doing video games. It was because we wanted to um, we wanted to talk about social issues in a little bit wider context, but, you know, just kind of covering the same, oh, the video game industry did something ridiculously sexist this week. Oh, you know, like doing that week after week was just exhausting for us. So what we're trying to do more is unleashing the Georgia Dow. And, you know, we're we're going to go through uh, a lot of our, our mail and messages tonight and kind of, um, you know, let Georgia do her thing. I want to say this is a part of the show that only works if you write us. So, you know, um, if you have serious issues you want to talk about. Georgia isn't your therapist, but she can certainly talk about it uh, in the aggregate. So you can um, use the hashtag disrupt me. You can tweet at disruption underscore uh, underscore disruption FM and our DMs are open. You can tweet us there or you can email the show. Steve, what's our uh, email address here again? Um, just go to relay.fm slash disruption and click on the contact link and that'll get you there. Fantastic. That will give you all the information you need to, to reach us. So, Steve, I'm going to pass this over to you. Like, we've got we've got a fair number of uh, messages from listeners this week. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we have this first one that came in. And 
Um, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna generally assume that your name is okay unless it's unless you tell me that it's not. So uh, please do make sure that we had you know, some people say that not to use their names, and we'll respect that. Um, but we got a we got a DM from um, Nathan Clegg who says you often talk about finding a psychologist or counselor to treat various illnesses. Can you suggest ways to find cost effective professionals? So, should someone ask for a referral from their regular doctor, search online, or take another approach? Are these professionals usually covered by insurance? Uh, what places might offer low low cost or free services? And are there any alternative treatment options you could recommend? Okay, so it all depends on the state that you live in. Often they have social services that are offered at your school. Some places have it. They'll give you a certain number of sessions for free at your work. And often insurance companies, you can contact them to find out people that they recommend and that will be covered by their treatment plans. Because with insurance, you never know. They might cover certain types of services, a certain percentage Um, only services that are given at a certain placement. And so you want to take a look. In Canada, we have a CLSC, which runs um, like local services, and they're fully covered, and you go on a waiting list, and then they will find you someone that's there. If not, often people, if you are religious or would feel comfortable with that, you can find a priest or a rabbi that may also be well-trained in dealing with social issues also. I think Mm. that... I think that with many things, the most important is to find someone that you feel comfortable with and that is going to validate and listen to you and really be able to be there. If you're dealing with a specific problem, even though it would probably be more expensive, I think that a specialist will, you know, in the end, especially if you're suffering greatly, it's good to find someone that's specialized in only deals or almost only deals in the issue that you're dealing with. And some issues really do need a specialist. You know, if you're dealing with self-esteem or just generalized, very mild sadness or a loss, you can go to someone that would just be a counselor, just be a grief counselor, just deal with certain things, family services, or even just support groups, which can work fabulously well. Not everyone would feel comfortable talking with someone, and that's fine. But If it's a very severe issue and you're suffering through it, I think that it's worthwhile to spend the effort and time to make sure that you're going to be seeing someone that really understands and knows how to treat that. Because though I know a lot of really fabulous counselors and teachers and professional people that are very, very good, I've also heard some really horrific stories of people that have been hurt, damaged, um, really not validated or listened to or sometimes even given the wrong advice and their symptoms have gotten worse and sometimes even in a dangerous level. And so you want to find out, often I I myself will look online, I'll put down services and look it up and then you want to go there and speak with them, meet if you do not feel comfortable and it's not because you don't want to like you don't want to deal with this because sometimes in therapy you're going to have to deal with situ- situations and listen to things that will not always be comfortable but just you don't feel comfortable with them as a person for any reason i often joke that if i remind you of your aunt thelma and you hated her this is not going to work out we'll find you someone that you'll feel comfortable with then that's a fine reason to say I should find someone else that I do feel comfortable with because yeah. we spend a lot of time looking for a car. We spend a lot of time looking for a home. Mm-hmm. Well, you should do the same thing when you have a therapist. It's a very 
personal, very vulnerable situation that you're in. And it can be magical if you find the right person. And it can be really, it should not be horrible and tedious and traumatic. Sometimes what you'll be talking about might be, but the actual situation should not be. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's well said. I would say for me, um, you know, I have gone through, you know, two therapists over the course of Gamergate uh, that didn't really get me anywhere as far as, um, you know, getting me with PTSD. It wasn't until I found a specialist with that that I've made Mm -hmm. a ton of progress with that. So I really want to give uh, voice to what you're saying. I I feel like I ethically have to say, um, you know, if you look through my tweets or Facebook Georgia, you're not going to find anything with me blasting Christians or, you know, religion in general. I respect that stuff. But I do feel like I have to say, I know so many people in the South um, that didn't feel comfortable going to, um, you know, like a traditional therapist for things like, you know, being transgender or being gay. And, um, you know, I've told the story on the show before of my friend Joseph that, you know, was basically reprogrammed by Christian quote-unquote therapists and ended up committing suicide at a very young age. So um, I hear what you're saying, especially about the comfort level with that. But um, I just want, I, I guess I just feel like from my experience that, I don't know, I just... You know, like, you can understand that fear there, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And 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 you want to, you know, be aware of, of, you know, of what someone's biases may already be to that. Mm-hmm. And that can yeah. be, unfortunately, not just with people that may be religious. I've had the same type of thing happen with doctors and other therapists. It can yeah. be, you know, it's one of these things that you're behind closed doors. It's really hard to know and to you know, watch over the field to make sure that no one's doing harmful damage to others. And so you, you really want to know. And, and if you don't feel comfortable, it's fine to ask. And yeah, asking for a referral to your doctor is great or someone else. Usually I say, find someone that has gotten good treatment for something. Talk. We need to speak about this. You want to talk around with others that have gone through something that you trust, you feel comfortable with, and then you might feel comfortable with the other person. But even if you don't, it might just be a personality type. They might be fabulous therapists. You might be be really open to that, but it's just not the right match. And that's fine. That's a fine reason to say, this isn't working for me. I'm going to find someone else. And specifically on the cost thing, like if you do have insurance that covers mental health services, I, from my experience of getting diagnosed with ADD, I would suggest you go to them as early as possible and at least find out like a list of people, you know, what you're trying to get help with and find out what they will cover. Because I spent about two months after I first started trying to get help for ADD, just going back and forth between my primary care and the insurance company, because they disagreed on where on what type of doctor I should be sent to and what kind of testing I needed. And it didn't get resolved until Maureen finally just got fed up with watching me beating my head against the wall and called up the insurance company and said, where do we need to go to get this taken care of? And then they finally got that sorted out. So you you really want to if if you're looking for insurance to cover it, go Go to them first and find out because you can end up spending a lot of time just hitting dead ends. And it's just, and it's there's nothing worse than suffering and not being able to get the help because of red tape. I, I agree with that. Yeah, um, yeah I think that's well said. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. What's uh, what's yeah. next, Dave? OK, so um, so we got another another email from someone who asked to keep their name, their name confidential. So we will um, who writes to us, who says, 
uh, th- you know, that to thank us for talking about autism and raising awareness. Found similar behaviors with my oldest son, which I had no explanation before. He was just different and special to other kids. After a few months, we finally took him to a psychiatrist who referred us to an autism specialist in the center where he was seen. Turns out he's not on the spectrum, but the process did make us understand him much more, and my wife and I are grateful we went through the process. It turns out my oldest son is just super smart, found to have an IQ of 150. He was also diagnosed with adjustment disorder, which I'm still learning about and hope Georgia could talk about a bit more to help me understand. However, even though he's super smart, he's low on self-confidence, always unsure of himself, always seeking assurance from us as parents. He doesn't like loud noises. He's super sensitive. He's super factual, likes numbers, reading, statistics, and I got him into Pokemon, which he pretty much knows the Pokédex inside and out. Uh, He has lots of justice and believes everyone should be doing the right thing and the world should be perfect. Which brings me to my issue question. He has a younger sister who's pretty much the opposite of him. Comical, funny, almost never serious, not very bright, loves to talk. Uh, As a result, they always fight, mostly verbal, almost never physical, but the stuff they say to each other is nasty and my wife cannot put up with it day in and day out. Uh, The whole atmosphere of the home seems to always be dealing with their conflict and I feel like something needs to be done, but I'm rather helpless. So sometimes he can get very emotional and upset. He has a history of hurting himself, kind of minor, like punching himself on the thigh and most serious is scratching his neck. He got better at controlling that after seeing a psychiatrist for about a year, but he just seems to feel like this world is either him or his sister and they so sometimes I sometimes I feel like the situation is normal sibling rivalries. Lots of people tell me that siblings fight when they grow up, and they tend to be actually be closer friends when they grow up. But I've also read recent studies that show that not, may not be the case and may actually be a serious problem. I'd really love to hear George's take on this. So right, well, this one is a little bit difficult because I haven't yeah. seen them, and I don't right. like. It's really hard when you you know I often hear parents give a certain take on the way that they see that and. It really it could be something that's normal sibling rivalry, and it could be something a little bit more. And so for that, you really want to be able to be in front of someone that can witness this behavior and witness them together. And then they can give you a proper analysis of where they see this um, lying and how to be able to, even if it is just regular sibling rivalry, you're going to want to do the best that you can to make them feel more comfortable with each other and have a better relationship to that. So I don't deal with... Um, labeling. I I just deal with what is the symptomology and how can we make that better. And I think that it's really important and helpful for parents, especially to know that your kids are on the same team and for them to understand that and to have each other's back and to be able to be comfortable with each other. And so there may be many reasons why they may not have that right now. And it could be jealousy. It could be, you know, anger. It could be difficulty in dealing with different situations. There's such a plethora of different issues that can happen with children. It's so hard to grow up. And they're also sharing parents. And that can be difficult as well, especially if one child has special issues and someone else has different issues. Then they will only see, you know, like kids go through a period where they're very egocentric. And some adults stay there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't like that tone, Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so it's hard to kind of see the world from outside of your bubble. And so I would I would definitely have you usually what I say to all parents is you track the behaviors of what you see so that when you go to someone, you have a list of different situations that you have a lot of details to because it really depends on that the way that I would feel that it should be treated so that they can have a better relationship with that. Um, Adjustment disorder is another thing, and it's a stress uh, related illness. And it is the difficult, you go through a stressful event or events and you have a difficult time in coping. And so you can be 
more emotional because of that, more upset. It's one of those things that, you know, basic um, stress relieving techniques will be able to help. But also something that people don't often deal with, but I think that's really important, is to be able to, that having emotional resilience and having that would be, and being able to express your feelings so that they understand them and they understand their triggers and then how they can deal with that, that makes people feel really empowered. No longer do I feel like the world is doing this to me and I am powerless, but that I have certain skills and tools and understanding of what's happening to me. Because a lot of stress is that feeling of, I don't know what's happening, I can't cope, I can't control this, and I have no say in what's going to happen to me. And so you want to deal with that at the same time. The emotional resiliency is just really lovely. And learning that is that bad things can happen or things out of my control can occur, but I still have control of me. And so that's another skill that is often not dealt with. I think that often in CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, we deal with a lot of the behaviors. And so we go through some of the the easiest and best uh, behavioral techniques. And often we miss some of the pieces that will help us emotionally regulate our own feelings. And you become very emotionally resilient. And then even when bad things happen, you're okay. You might not be okay, okay, but you'll be okay. And you have an awareness of that. And so you would want to deal with that as well. It's a lot of fun actually to train And I enjoy working with kids to be able to help them with that because I think that the benefits are, it's, it's just, I think that it should be done in school. Like I'll be straight. I think that most of the stuff that we're taught, like we, I'm going to go on a little tangent, but we go through, (laughs) not that I've been talking for already too long. Yeah. We go through, we teach kids like geography and math and world history, all things that are important, but like geography, I have a phone that can deal with geography. I do not have a phone that can deal with what happens when my friend has just, um, you know, hurt my feelings or what happens when my parents break up or if I'm angry and I don't know what to do with those emotions or I'm having panic attacks. We should learn this when we're children because if you learn how to deal with this when you're kids, then you're not going to have to learn to deal with this when you're adults. And if you've Learned, we often were mimics by nature. And so we do what our parents did, even when we don't want to. We just learn because that's what we've seen. And even if we've seen not the right way to handle it, if you had fabulous parents, awesome, good for you. But most people are not in that situation. And so now part of our programming, because we mimic behavior, we do it exceptionally well, which is great if you have fabulous people to mimic from. And if you do not that mirroring of of emotions, resiliency, the way to deal with things, it can become very maladaptive. And now you've practiced mm-hmm. it for three years before you, you know, decide I'm going to have to change this. So I think that these things should be happening when we're kids. Unfortunately, often that has to happen in, in my room because it doesn't happen in the school system. And I think that this is so vastly important. I think that it would lower crime. I think that it would lower homelessness, loneliness, depression, stress, anxiety, Divorce rates. I like. I think that it would just burn out, work stress. People would be happier at work. Anyways, we we need to deal with how we deal with people, and I think that we have not given it its just importance. I'm on both ends of this too. With my oldest is, um, it can be extremely emotional and and has a hard time dealing with this. And her younger sister irritates the living bejesus out of her on a regular basis. And and a lot of it is also realizing with the younger one that, you know, when you have kids in the house that have had 
you know, that have had diagnoses and they're getting a lot of special attention, it's very easy for them to to feel left out and then kind of act mm-hmm. out to make up for that attention. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we, we, you know, and that's hard to remember when you're dealing with the aftermath of all of this stuff and everybody kind of egging each other on, too. But we, you know, try to give her more attention when we can as much as, as we're able. And I, with the oldest... One thing that we've, you know, it's it's kind of a tightrope because I don't want to invalidate the way that she's feeling because she does get emotional. She gets very sad and she she can sometimes break down into a crying fit. And I don't want her to feel bad for being sad because that's normal and that's something she can't help. But the one thing that that we do try to work with her on um, is just like if you're crying, I can't help you. Like if you can't tell me what's wrong, I can't fix it. And there are times that she'll just break down and it's like, I want to help you not feel this way. But if you're going to break down in tears and be inconsolable, I can't do anything to help you. If you tell me what's wrong, I can help you before we get to that point. So that's something, you know, different things work for different people. All kids are different. Um, Another thing that we've had to tell her also is you're not the mommy, which is, you know, that's awesome. like that's, that's awesome. That's just, you know, it's not like that's not your job. Let me do my job and you you do your job, which is staying out of trouble. But that, that doesn't quite work as well as you would hope. But I, I, I have a lot of empathy for you because it's it's tough when you're dealing with that type of a situation. All right, cool. Uh, what's the next question? Okay, so we got um, one more deep one, and then we and then we got a light one to finish up with. So excellent. Um, so this one is from Juan, uh, who says, uh, "Before I get into my question, I just want to say I really enjoy the show. It's never failed to make me feel better or think about things in a different way." Um, with that praise out of the way, I wanted to ask for some advice about dealing with depression. I went to university in 2010 when I was 18. I was pretty excited about leaving the house that I grew up in because my parents were abusive and mean and ugly. I was going to UT Austin, which was a cool idea because it was a more liberal place and I'd never lived in any sort of a city like that in my life. So naturally, I was pretty excited to go to the orientation for freshmen on campus. I went to the orientation expecting to enjoy myself, but instead I felt overwhelmed, scared, anxious, and everything in my brain and my body was telling me that this would not work out. I tried to tell my parents that I didn't think UT Austin was going to be a good fit for me, but my parents thought this was just a phase or that I would just get used to it over the time. So I went and had a horrible first semester in which I felt constantly tired, depressed, emotionless, numb, and I could barely stay awake for my classes that I failed in. Mm. I did not do any homework, and I did not shave for a couple months because I thought it was pointless. That was the first time I went to see a counselor in my life. The counselors were working in the university proper, and over six years, I had seen several of them. Unfortunately, while I never had a semester go as bad as the first one, I never felt like I had really moved on. There were times that I felt better, but the depression and anxiety were still fairly high. After a certain point, my parents made an ultimatum that if I did not get a degree and pass enough classes, they would stop paying for my expenses. So I went back home and have tried to find a job and learn how to drive, but I've not been successful at either of these endeavors. I hate being in this place because I remember so much of the bad things that happened to me here. I'm starting to feel even worse than I've ever felt in my life. I often think of killing myself and ending this pathetic existence so the pain can just end. I need to get out of this place, but everyone keeps telling me that this is a terrible plan or it's no plan at all, but I can't breathe in this place and I don't have any friends that I can talk to about this stuff. What should I do? I know that this is incredibly long, but I couldn't figure out a way to explain all of this without taking forever. I wish all of you the best of success. Oh, I really, I, I, I just want to like back up what 
you know, you just said in writing to us and say, like, I really feel that. Yeah. And, you know, I've been there myself. And, um, you know, I'm not a therapist, so I'll give that <laughs> over to Georgia. But I want to say, like, you're not alone in having felt that way. Um, I completely failed out of one of my semesters in college uh, for very similar reasons. And, yeah, I just, I really hear what you're saying. Georgia, Georgia what were your thoughts about that? Well, the first thing is you, you really do need to see someone um, dealing with depression is, it's, um, it's different. It's not even, it's not even sadness. It's something that like a severe depression is something so, um, encompassing and dark and hopeless. And, you know, you've lost all that motivation when you were speaking about not wanting to shave and it, what does it even matter anyways? Um, so you, you've hit off a lot of the flags of saying that this is something that is a very serious um, severity of depression. And so you want to go and call to see a specialist to be able to not be alone in this. This is not something, and people often do not go and get help soon because they think that that means that they're weak and they're, they're already feeling so bad about themselves and now this is another thing of I can't cope with this on my own and a severe depression no one should ever want to or have to cope with alone it is not weakness to do that it is that it helps to be partners when with someone that you feel comfortable with to get you out of that when you are in such a deep dark place and so it's helpful you will recover more quickly to that and you will then have a supportive relationship so that you won't be alone. And you can share, like with a good therapist, you will be able to share the darkest of thoughts, the deepest of things. There's nothing that they haven't already heard that you're going to have to worry about or feel that you'd be judged. Um, their job is to help make your life better. And so no matter, like the first thing, please, you know, find someone and you find someone that you feel comfortable with. Um, and you wait until you get someone that you feel comfortable with to go on this journey together so that you um, are not alone. Because it hits one in three people, depression. It, is, it can be exceptionally um, debilitating. And your schooling, just so that you know, and if you have not already done it, you can get a doctor's note for going through depression. And often people don't know that they can do this. But if you're dealing with anxiety, and you seem to have both anxiety and depression, if you're dealing with these things, these are medical issues that you can get a note so that your dropping out of school or even getting those grades that may not be good will be fully taken care of by the university to that. You'll need, of course, a doctor's note or a psychiatrist's note or your therapist's note to be able to get that. But this is an, an a true issue that will they can help you out with that so you don't have to worry about losing a semester you don't have to worry about being put onto probation because of that and they'll work with you and almost I've I have not yet and again I work in Canada so I don't know all of the procedures in the states but I've not yet had a university that has not been very helpful no, it's sure. just exactly the same way in my experience, Georgia. Yeah. It was it was very much the same. I can I can I tell you something you said to me that really changed my thinking on depression. Mm-hmm. And this is this is back on isometric, but probably said it better than this. But you're talking about how depression uh, 
we used to, when man, mankind was living in caves, like mm-hmm. we would, you know, sleep for long periods of time mm-hmm. and how, you know, it's almost like this is about our body, like conserving energy and mm-hmm. drawing into ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I just, for me personally, ever since you said that, it just clicked with me. And I think we live in a society that just makes you feel like crap. And mm-hmm. it, it just almost, it almost says, hey, there's something wrong with you if you have this. And it's just... Mm-hmm. A normal part of the human experience, and you're not you're not broken. You're not a bad person. It's yeah. not that you're not trying. Like when I had depression, you're not weak. It's not your fault. That said, I, I do have to say, in my experience, I think you can't handle being sick. That's not your fault or having this issue. But you do have to have that agency within yourself to reach out, to go get a therapist and to get that help and make the choice to start getting better. And that's really the main thing that's in your control is that, you know, willingness to make that choice to you know start walking forward. I mean, does that match up with your experience, Georgia? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the hibernation theory is, um, you know, it, it was our way of conserving energy. It's the reason why seasonal affective disorder happens during the winter time. It was our way of not having to use up resources when there was times of trouble. And that's why depression, my center that I work for is an anxiety and depression center because they work together in conjunction. Um, and so it, it feels very debilitating, but you really do say that often it happens when your body does need shutdown. So often if you're overly stressed, your body says, well, you're not listening to me. Well, I'm going to just start shutting down the system so that you save resources, you can heal, you can relax, you need this time. And so a lot of self-monitoring has to go through that. But we we still have those antiquated beliefs of that the brain is a different system than all of the rest of the body. All the rest of the body works and can break down and can change and you could have a heart problem. I'm on thyroid medication because my thyroid isn't working right. Um, But because it's located in my throat instead of in my head, people don't judge me for that. And yet if our brain is not working at optimal levels or the way that we're used to or something changes with that and so we go through a difference and change, suddenly people become um, harsh and judgmental and hard on themselves and think that that means that there's something wrong with them or I should be able to be strong enough to deal with this. Um, it's machinery just like anything else and sometimes things change. One day we'll be able to fully, um, you know, I don't like the word repair, but we'll be able to understand <laughs> what's happening. We'll get upgraded by us, Georgia Dow. We'll just upgrade our firm. No, I really mean this. Mech. I really think that one day we're going to, like, we evolved in systems where you lived in caves and hunted, yeah. you know, yeah. animals with spears in the Serengeti. Like, we're going to upgrade our bias one yes. day. I do yes. believe that. We will. So. We really will. And we'll be able to understand it. And there won't be this. We're We're getting better, but there's still way too much. Um, stigma and bias and harshness and judgment um, and that hopefully will also be going away the more that we talk about this so I appreciate everyone that calls in um, but please do do get help everyone deserves to feel okay there is hope you are not alone and thank you so much for sharing your story with everyone else yeah we're really honored we're really honored Steve we gotta we gotta close out on a happy one so give me give me something happy okay dude. so we have we have one more question that was sent to us to the the Twitter account from top hole that asks us the very important question what is the best takeaway food to eat while gaming Oh, I have strong feelings about this. George Dow, 
What do you eat when you're in VR killing people? <laughs> oh, oh, it's hard because I don't like to get my my. Okay, so it would. It's nothing that's sticky because that's the yeah. last thing that I want is a sticky controller. Um, so I usually will do like a sandwich or pizza or like I like something that like if I want a game I want a game I don't want to eat and game I like to game <laughs> and like eat as fast and as quickly as possible so I can get back to gaming um so I usually do something that's like already wrapped it's like the earl of sandwich the guy that like you know started sandwiches just so that he could play poker at the same time that's that's exactly <laughs> what I like Georgia are you are you going to tell this podcast this court of disruption <laughs> that you have never spent a Sunday on the couch with Cheeto dust down your face <laughs> with Diet Coke cans all around. Because I will cop to that. Like, no, I'm no, about to I leave this podcast and it's just going to be Dorito I dust have, everywhere. I have, done, I have yeah. done that. I've done that. And I definitely like, I like Cheetos better than Doritos. Um, and I like smart food popcorn better than both and chocolate. Oh, I love it. Pretzels so good. better than oh. those. But is that. Is that the best way for me to game? No. That is a way where I end up having to send one of my controllers back to HTC, which I have to do again, by the way, um, because I've done something wrong to one of the buttons. So it's not my favorite food. If I, if I like, you know, I will do it while I watch other people game now more than not, because now I'm in, like, you can't, like, have you ever tried to eat while you're using the HTC Vive? Like, it's impossible. Like, it's hard to no, even hit you your face. No, you can't do that. Uh, yeah, you'd be, where's my, where's my mouth hole? <laughs> I can't find <laughs> where it is. Yes. Like, <laughs> it wouldn't uh, work well, Georgia. Oh, my yeah. God. I, uh, all right. I think I have the definitive answer. Are you ready to have your minds blown? Ooh. Go the, for it, Steve. The definitive answer is milkshakes. What? Because you can eat it while you can drink it through a straw and you don't even have to take your hands off the controller or the mouse or the keyboard. Oh my God. Brie, Brie, no, we have to no. get you one of those hats that you oh, can wear yeah. on anything with <gasps> Soylent. Yes. yes. Oh, Soylent is good for gaming. Let oh me tell God. you because oh, it's great. You game. It's fantastic. It's like I do. You have the little straw just sticking and next I'm to your so mouth. And I'm so lazy. I don't even make the Soylent myself. I got Frank. <laughs> you, you have people for that now. Yeah. yeah, of course. Have you? Okay, Georgia, be honest. Okay. okay. We are a podcast where we are very honest with our listeners. <laughs> have you ever been so involved with gaming that you've spilled food on yourself and then you've been so lazy you've let your dog lick it off of you (laughs) (laughs) i will cut to this but i I have been so involved with gaming especially if i was on a really important raid and there was no way that if something drops i wasn't going to be there spilled food on myself and i just left it (laughs) (laughs) i'm like "Eh, whatever yeah i'll be just fine yeah that i've done Okay. Uh. Okay. So I have to say for me, um, you know, when I really want to enjoy a really good game experience, like it's this franchise here in Boston called Wings Over and then Near Town. And they have amazing hot wings in like 4,000 flavors. And it's utterly terrible for your body and will shorten your lifespan. But I tell you, like when a new Far Cry game comes out, it is just awesome. So it's sticky. Wait, but how do you, how do you do wings in gaming? I need to know this. How do you do it? Well, you wash your hands afterwards like a civilized person, Georgia Dow. So I have to get up away from my game to, you know, like, can't you just get Frank to feed it to you while you're playing? <laughs> I will. I will. I will do this. Okay. I will make it a YouTube I'm just video. imagining, so, like, something out of ancient Rome, except instead of grapes and, like, you know, young boys, there's Frank and buffalo wings. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I want to know, Bree. How do you like your wings? How do I like? Hot. 
Hot? I grew up right next to Louisiana, George Dow. Like, <laughs> you know, let me tell you, this little little weak like baby levels of spice that you like here in the north like <laughs> this is a joke and i judge you like when you go into boston they go oh it's got some spice in it i'm like okay yeah thank you let's yeah. try it just bring the cayenne pepper with it so yeah i like it hot like as hot as possible as hot as possible you'll do like the 911 sauce i want them to find out what will kill me <laughs> And then oh back God. it off like four Scovilles. And uh, then it's going to be good. So, <laughs> all right. All right. Do we have another question, Steve? Um, uh, here, we got one more one more quick one that we can do. So we can do, let's do this. Hi there, Disruptor Cons. With all the success of Pokemon Go and its use of AR technology and the excitement that both Georgia and Bree have with VR, how do you all see the future of AR with the HoloLens and future products like these? Love the show. It is my favorite show to start the week with. Yay! Yeah. You sound cool. We yes, should great hang out. taste. Yes. Great taste. They have great taste. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, what? how do I see it going? I think HoloLens is really going to be the future. I've said this many times. I, I expect HoloLens to be Microsoft's uh, iPhone. And um, I haven't talked about this a lot publicly, but I'm working on a novel right now. I have my own book deal, and um, one of the conceits in it is a HoloLens or magically-like technology um, basically lets people live any fantasy universe uh, they want to whenever they want. So, like, maybe you want Final Fantasy, maybe, Steve, you want to live in the Pokemon universe, Georgia Dow orc murder, you know, like all these things are tied into their own system. And I, I do think it's going to go forward. It's going to be much more interactive. And I don't expect Vive to be the future in five years. I think it's going to be more like HoloLens just augmenting on top of everything we see. So um, yeah. I think it's going to be huge. What do you think, Georgia? Well, I don't know. I don't know if, if it'll be HoloLens per se as HoloLens is. I think that that Microsoft's record is like, I'm, I'm still hoping, I'm not hoping, but uh, because I think that it will be in the end uh, like AR artificial reality. I think that VR will also be something that will be there, but it will be used in different ways because there is definitely a negative to not being able to interact with your world and having to switch between one to the other. And so being mm-hmm. able to merge both of those, you have the real world and then you have your artificial world over it. And then you are not you're not forced to have to live in only one or the other. I think that that it's nice sometimes to actually though to block out the real world and be able to have your own escape. And I think that um, VR is better for that type of an experience with that. And I think that it's going to change the way that we interact with almost everything. I think that it's going to be changing the manner in which we interact with technology, with people with being able to deal with things, experience different things, the way that we learn how to use things, it's going to be really wonderful to be able to have people that have done surgery first in an artificial world before they've done it on a person. Do you have any thoughts, Steve? I, I think you have to get it to something like that's wearable, though, because I, I think what what Pokemon Go has proven is that doing it, doing AR through the lens of your phone only gets you so far and can end up getting you into potentially dangerous circumstances if you're still busy looking at your phone and not looking at, you know, what's in front of you. And having it not be a choice, I think, needs to happen. 
going to I think the technology is going to get there a lot sooner before like the social aspects of it are going to get sorted out, though. I think there's still a lot of residual things that need to be sorted out from the whole Google Glass experiment that we need to we need to figure out, like communicate if there's like a camera going, when is it appropriate to have to wear them versus not wear them that, you know, that there's no technology that's going to solve that, that we just need to kind of figure out rules and, you know, as people get older and, and people grow up with this stuff, obviously, that'll become more normalized. But I, I'm, I'm more interested in how that kind of gets shaken out than because the technology really? is kind the of... the social aspect? That's what interests you the most? Like, to me, it's figuring out the interface. Because, I mean, I figure the technology is going to happen, right? Like, it's going... Somebody's going to figure this out sooner rather than later. I'm, I'm more worried for adoption about it being, like, socially acceptable to walk into a room with glasses that could be taking video of somebody and, like, what what the rules like the the societal rules that you know when is that appropriate when is it not how do we agree on that like that that's going to be the stuff that takes longer to figure out i think i i think it's it's i i think it'll be an, an issue but to me the thing that's so exciting about hololens is the thought of you know as it is right now it's very heavy on your head but you know take something like magic leap which is literally snow crash using a laser to draw images on your eyeballs. And when I start thinking about that and how that works with the, the, the motion controls, like the, um, you know, the Oculus Touch, like, Georgia, you know how magical it is to have the HTC in, uh, the, the controller in front of you and for it to mm-hmm. be a lightsaber. Mm-hmm. Like, it's utterly transformational. Yeah. So I start thinking about how that will affect my life and will affect all of these games. You know, Pokemon Go, at its go, at its core, rather, is a very... <laughs> I like the way you said that, though. I know. Pokemon right? Go I'm, at its go. At its go. I'm a professional, Georgia. Um, it's a very it. simple game. In fact, I think it's a very mechanically poor game. Um, but it's the magic of it and kind of bringing the real world and merging that with um, your phone mm-hmm. and kind of always having secrets around as you go out through your day. So I think about what that would look like if it were actually being drawn on your eyeball and you could live in any world that you wanted to live in, you know, not just Pokemon, but like Final Fantasy or Link to the Past, you know, what if all those things were with you? That is a gameplay experience that, you know, interests me. Um, whether people are going to Photoshop me or, or take pictures of me, that's just yeah. a less interesting question for me personally. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking more about like the the real world, like less from a gaming perspective and more like, uh, you know, living out in the real world and using it for... Like word lens was a thing when it like years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. you pointed at a sign that's in another language and then it translates it for you in real time and and shows it to you like in your language. And that never really took off. Uh, yeah. Well, Google buying that probably had something to do with it. But uh, <laughs> but but, you know, like that's the kind of thing that's interests me, like having like a heads up display for your life. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm worried about how we get there you know, without the Google Glass kind of experience of of people, you know, being mistreated because they were wearing it and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I hope no one will yeah. go into George's house and rip the HTC Vive off her head and then stomp on it and <laughs> yep. say and she's not welcome words. here. Those are fighting words. You don't want to upset Dal. Um, all right, so that is it for disruption this week. Uh, now's the part where I go through all of Micah's various instructions. So listen, I... The sub-commander of Georgia Dow, like I'm not the overlord, I'm the sub-overlord, I am ordering you to go review the show on iTunes, 
Georgia Dow will hunt you down in whatever country you will, and she will give you the glare of Dow despair. And she'll look into your eyes, and you'll feel like your soul being sucked out of your body. So go review the show, lest you face the wrath of Georgia Dow. Um, also, you know, you can find the show notes uh, at our webpage, which was helpfully made by the awesome leadership team here at Relay, and that is at RelayFM forward slash disruption. You can call us, not me. I won't take your call, but you can talk to a voicemail. <laughs> is that why you've never returned my call, Brie? If you call me, I'll, I'll answer for you, Georgia. Oh, okay, Do you have my yeah. real phone number? <gasps> you haven't given, you've given me a fake phone number? I have three yeah. phones. Georgia, I've been, meaning to ta- I've been meaning to talk to you about all the voicemails you've been leaving on the show phone number, uh, by the oh way. No. Oh, no. Yeah. 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 I'll give you, we'll, we'll talk after. No, I don't <laughs> give you my number here on the air. It is 50. <laughs> no. Okay. So you can call the show and leave us a voicemail. And the voicemail number is 508-418-3532. And again, you know, like we love talking about, you know, the real issues here on the show, like depression, you know, your kids fighting, you know, suicidal ideation. I really love doing this aspect of the show and I can't do it. We can't do it if you don't call in and leave your questions. So, you know, we're not going to judge you. We're not going to make fun of you. We take them very seriously. So please, you know, write into our show. Um, so that's it. Also, you can uh, find that you can tweet at us and use the hashtag with your question, disrupt me. Uh, you can DM our Twitter, which is at underscore disruption FM, or you can just go knock on Steve's door and talk to him about it. And he will be very happy to talk to you about that. So Georgia, where can people find you? At the hours of 9 o'clock at night and later for right. about 45 minutes. Right, right, right. You can find me on Twitter. It's at Georgia underscore Dow. You can also check out anxiety-videos.com if you're dealing with anxiety, depression, um, and you'd like to – or if you even know someone that's dealing with it and you'd like to learn more about it, you can get one of our downloads on one of the subjects that's at hand. Steve, where can people find you? Uh, you can probably find me playing Hearthstone because the new adventure just dropped today. Or you can find me uh-huh. on Twitter complaining about complaining about losing in Hearthstone at Wicked Good. You can find me at the legendary, now verified, now verified account Space Cat Gal. Yes, it's official. I'm a real person with merit, I guess. Bree is a real now. person. I am a real person, not a voice in your head. So <laughs> you can find me there. Um, Steve, we got to go. What's uh, What are we saying on the way out? Go. We're done. Go find something else to listen to. What are you still doing listening to the show? Go listen, go, go listen to the next thing. Go. Listen to the music and then go. Bye. Bye. <laughs>